Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour, presented by Legends of the Cage MMA. On a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news in the world of combat sports. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. Hello. This weekend, on Friday night, live from the Casino Morongo and live on Access TV, LFA 36, in the opening bout that evening, we will have we will be seeing Charles Taylor compete versus Corey Turner in the opening televised bout. We're lucky enough to have our first guest, Corey Turner, joining us. Corey, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming on. Thank you uh, for having me. No problem. I mean, thanks again. I want to say thanks to uh, Corey because, uh, like, you, I know you said you're feeling good and you're ready for Friday and stuff, but. Um, Usually, uh, it's been in my experience uh, during fight week, getting ready for uh, when you try to talk to fighters and do any type of media, they're not in the best mood. So I do re- really appreciate you taking the time to talk. That's because they're on shitty diets and their weight cut sucks. <laughs> is there? Is there? Uh, uh, you have any recommendations? Are you doing anything different or new? Um, um, well, Samantha's over here. My girlfriend's got me on a pretty strict diet. It's not just for fighting. If I get fat, she'll leave me. So I got to stay healthy. <laughs> and you're uh, you're fighting at 185. Yeah, well, I, I fight at 185. Yeah. So, what do you know about uh, your opponent for Friday? As far as I like the background, I know he's a wrestler. He's been wrestling for a while. I think I'm pretty sure he was a collegiate wrestler, and uh, he's only had three total MMA fights. You know, I don't know how many uh, wrestling matches he's had, but I know he's only had three total fights. He's had one amateur fight that was. Um, I think he it was a TKO, and then he had I think he's had one TKO and one knockout in his pro. But I mean, I, I looked at the guys that he fought, and uh, his first guy that he fought was supposed to fight me last year, and when I was one and zero, and wouldn't do it. So, not to take anything away from him, because you know he's you know an established wrestler, and uh, I've been stalking him on Instagram, so. I've been seeing him get down and do his thing. So, I mean, it's going to be a good fight. Stylistically, he's pretty much the same as me. He likes to throw a bunch of weird kicks. And, you know, with uh, the exception, is his wrestling is uh, probably a little bit ahead of mine. But, you know, I train full-time jiu-jitsu with uh, Vinny Magalhaes and, and Mike Pyle and Corey Hendricks and all those guys. So, I mean, my jiu-jitsu is pretty slick. I noticed online your record, uh, your pro record is one and one. It looked like your amateur record was four and two. Is that fairly accurate? No, I was seven and two as an amateur. Seven and two. Okay, so it wasn't yeah. updated. Um, the uh, you. Uh, so I was just going to ask. I look. I actually looked at your record too, and I and I know overall you got a lot of wins by submission. So now you just said why you train with uh, Viggy Magalhaes and all those guys. What's your are you you hold a rank in jujitsu? How long have you been grappling? Uh, so I, I didn't really get my rank that I didn't get very much rank because I didn't put the gi on until 2016, mm. um, end of 2015, about November of 2015 is when I started doing gi a lot. And, uh, you know, Benny was at the gym and 2016, John Wood, the head coach of my gym, he, he made a policy. He's like, if you're not at least a blue belt and gi jiu-jitsu, then I won't get you a fight. 
So I went out and I started training two, three times a day jujitsu. And then I did three jujitsu competitions where I won. And then I had two fights in between that. And I won everything with, and I finished everything. I won everything on submission. And then my last jujitsu tournament, uh, Vinny promoted me to blue belt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, just a, a follow up to that. Uh, so you said you do uh, jujitsu tournaments. Have you ever considered doing any of like, uh, did you, or have you done like fight to win pro or any of those advantage submission only type? Cause that's like becoming popular too. Uh, as far as like to supplement your time in between fights. Oh, when, when, when I feel like my level is up there when I can, cause those guys are, those guys are full-time jujitsu guys, you yeah. know? Um, and I, as much as I would like to right now, I'm focusing on MMA, you know, Two three years, I might feel different when I can get in the jujitsu aspect more of uh, more of it. But for I mean, it's definitely an option. Mm. What got you into the fight game? <laughs> Bodybuilding. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, five five years ago, I was two hundred and forty five pounds. Yeah, on my way up to three fifteen, and I wanted to work on my flexibility because my hips were tight and my back was tight, and I was in a lot of pain from you know, deadlifting and squats. So I went to the gym and I signed up for a three-day trial. I did a Muay Thai class and just so happened nobody showed up that night. So it was basically a one-on-one, a private lesson. And I signed up that night and I started training uh, jiu-jitsu twice a day, uh, Muay Thai twice a day. I accidentally fell onto the uh, MMA team. (laughs) And that was a pretty funny story. One of the old owners told me that I can join, uh, come to the class. I was like, all right, I can come to class. And I showed up and John Wood was there and he's like, what the fuck are you doing in my class? And I was like, oh, uh, Jason said I can come over here. He's like, absolutely not. And he's like, how long have you been training? I said, oh, about eight months. I do jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai twice a day. And he's like, all right, you got one class. And that was four and a half years ago. And he never asked me to leave. So, Oh, nice. Good for you, man. You know, um, as this is your first fight at LFA. I mean, and and uh, Dana White last summer called that one of the uh, developmental leagues for the UFC. Is that your end game as far as like where you want your career to go? I think it's everybody's end game. You know, it's not necessarily because you can make the most money at UFC. It's because you get the most recognition and you get uh, your you get the most exposure. You know, so you can take your UFC fights and you can you know a lot of the guys. Uh, I can't remember his name. The the black athletic guy. What's his name? Uh, but anyway, he, uh, Mr. Perfect, what's his name? Phil Davis. Phil yeah. Davis, yes. He went over to, you know, he, he made his career at UFC, and then he went over to Bellator to make money. You know, and that's, I think that's what a lot of guys are doing. And, uh, you know, it'd be great, but the end game is just to have fun while I'm doing it. When you started, when you started did you go directly to Syndicate, or was there another gym that you started at? I went to all the gyms. I went to all the gyms. I looked around. I, you know, compared their coaching staff. I compared their, um, at the time, their their members. And it was the environment, really, that locked me down at Syndicate. It was, you know, everybody trained together. There was no drastic separation. And a lot of the other gyms, too, if you have no experience but you're a big body, that's all you'll be is a big body. If you're, you know, somewhat athletic, you can do some things, then they'll pair you with somebody who's going to beat the shit out of you three, four times a week. And they're going to go off to be a superstar. Meanwhile, you're, you know, 
over here trying to catch crumbs and beg for fights. Um, just a, a quick question because of something you said about, uh, I mean, you had mentioned how like guys are screwing up their weights with, uh, cause they have shitty diets. And, um, then you talked about, uh, uh, having fun while you're competing now, uh, when you're looking at the sport as so, uh, when you're not fighting and you're looking at it as, as a fight fan, uh, what do you think as far as the state of the, of mixed martial arts as a whole looks like now with the growth of the sport and, uh, and everything with all the options to watch versus uh, how it used to be like four years ago. I, I mean, I love the free market, you know, it, it gives guys uh, an advantage to go out there and uh, display their skills and, and uh, be able to showcase and, and reach people and have exposure and, and connect with different uh, people all across the world. You know, there's several different Asian leagues. There's several different leagues here in the States. I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere and you can join a league you know, or have somewhere, have a home to fight. So, I mean, I think it's a great thing. I think a lot of guys are having a lot of fun with it. And, you know, and some guys take it too serious. And But, you know, that's their, that's them. Are you a fan of the sport in general? Do you sit around on the weekends and watch fights? I know you got your hands full with a lot of stuff going on. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I any try, fighters that you like to watch or that catch your I try, attention? I, I try to watch as much as I can. You know, I got, you know, two teenage girls and, a, and an infant baby. So, um, my hands are pretty much full and I got a significant other that keeps my, the rest of my time occupied. So, you know, I try, you know, she's into it too. She wasn't ever into it until she started dating me. And, um, now, you know, she tries to stomach it. It's still too bloody for her, but you know, she, she tries to do it for me because. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, how hard is it to, to juggle everything? I mean, that's a lot right there. That's a lot right there. And don't you have a business too? I do. I'm a marketing consultant. So, you know, everything, it's, uh, it's a constant juggle. But when you have good support at home and you have a good foundation, I mean, you can when, – when I start overreaching and doing things that – taking too much on on my plate, you know, Samantha sits me down and, you know, we have a – What's important, you know, we're always working towards a goal. And if we start sidetracking with, you know, different things and uh, get my focus all blurred up, then, you know, we sit down and have that one-on-one that most people are afraid to have with their significant other. So this this uh, this uh, fight on LFA, this is probably the most high-profile fight you've had in your career, right? I mean, it's on a big network with Axis. Is it something that's – are there any jitters as far as being on – tv on that scale for you or or it's not a not a thought at all no the 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 most nervous fight i've ever had was my very first fight and i'll never be that nervous again you know there's always nerves involved but it's not because all these people are watching or it's going to be on tv or something it's you know am i gonna am i gonna split am i gonna duck am i gonna walk into a knee what am i gonna do what am i gonna do those are things i'm you know uh, all in my head about but you know as far as it being on tv i mean i just think that's freaking pretty badass you know, who doesn't want to be on TV and I get to punch somebody in the face while I do it. So I don't want to be on TV. Look at his face. <laughs> face made for radio. <laughs> but um, uh, Matt and I were saying just um, the when we did the first, you watched the first episode. That's how we got in touch with you through the MMA community mm-hmm. forum. But um, we were saying last week how a lot of times these, these uh, cards that aren't that high profile wind up being uh, these dynamite uh, must-see fights and uh, like the ufc london event like that was that was like that last week and i find personally because i get the lfa uh 
I get the highlights sent to me after every event. And I find that those cards uh, are always like on fire. So, I mean, it's I, like, it's, it's like college and pro, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like college and pro when you, when you're watching college football, man, those guys are putting their heart into it. Yeah. They love the sport, you know, and then you get to the UFC and the bigger shows, you know, the, the fight week shows, the, the, or the beginning of the year shows, the end of the year shows, there's so much pressure and there's so, it's so high, high, pro, high profile that everybody just wants to perform and they're so anxious because they want to. And nine times out of 10, they don't, you know, there's, you know, there's, the people that are consistently good and they consistently perform. But when you're trying to carry all that weight to with that huge brand behind you, you know, it kind of su- it sucks in a way, but it's sometimes it's a good problem to have. But for these smaller shows, man, it's, it's all about the heart. It's like, I came up through tough enough. It's the yeah. local am- amateur organization out here. And it's one, it's one of the biggest amateur organizations, but like they put on professional type shows. So I've been in a professional environment since I started my fight career. So it's, it's not it's just another day in the office. Yeah. They do put on a good show over there. I have had the uh, chance to attend two or three of their uh, productions. And uh, I think it was at the Orleans hotel and they have yeah. a nice, uh, nice setup going on over there. Um, we were talking Orleans for a while. It, it's, I know they have them in Mesquite and uh, a couple other spots. I've seen that as well. well they've gotten even better. So, I mean, they're just uh, they're second to none when it comes to the amateur organization. Uh, speaking of LFA and some of their fighters, last week we uh, we brought up Nick Newell. I don't know how much you're aware of him. Um, he's the fighter with 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 born with one arm. Yeah. Um, do you have any opinion on that? We we kind of kicked it around last week. Uh, you know the pros and cons of of potential superstardom to maybe not the greatest reflection on the sport um, if it I were to go ne- if it were to go negative for him. I mean, how negative is it going to be if he walks? If he steps into a ring with a guy who just puts a hurting on him, you know, and he exposes the fact that he only has you know one defensive limb, basically, you know, cover his head. But you know, hundred percent, the dude has the most heart. He gets in there and he freaking rear naked chokes people, you know, and I, I think he's a an inspiration and uh, a role model, you know, he, he, he doesn't let his, I don't even want to call it a disability because it's really not, you know, it's, uh, he doesn't let it stop him or he doesn't let it hinder him. So I don't, I don't, you know, you can't really take anything negative out of it unless you're really, really trying to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we pretty much agreed that the guy deserves every opportunity that every other fighter coming up uh, deserves. Um, yeah, the only negative that I had brought up is if, 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 if he were to get beat with the world of social media and how news passes a potential photo of a one-armed fighter in the UFC. I know that the, the sport's yeah. grown probably beyond that. That would be the only thing. I, you know, you get, a, you get a couple news organizations that never follow the UFC all year long, and all of a sudden they've got a target and, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, don't think you, I don't think it's anything that would really hinder the sport. I just – I'd be curious – not, you know, I wouldn't want it necessarily to happen, but I'd just be curious think, what, what happened. I think the fight community is too deep to let something like that. You know, if if somebody went out and said something like that, that's like there's kids, young kids and adults that are, you know, paralyzed from the waist up or waist down or have no legs that wrestle. There's a legless wrestler and he's a freaking beast. Yeah, I've seen him. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only negative if you really, 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 really – 
reach out there and, and just make some attachment that's not even there. That's a good point because there are there are football players. I mean, we just saw somebody in the NFL Combine um, who was missing an arm as well, yeah. and uh, he actually ran the quickest forty time of a linebacker in something ever. like twenty five years yeah. ever. Yeah, and uh, and did twenty five reps of two twenty five. Some some incredible number yeah. for, a, for a guy. There's power lifters with you know a missing leg. There's a uh, a veteran power lifter that I follow. I can't remember his name right now, but he's a power lifter and he's got no leg. And he lost what's his name? Yeah, Derek Walita. He lost his leg from an IED, and he's a power lifter. And all he does is freaking. He's all over social, and he talks about it all the time. How he doesn't give a shit, and people are stupid if they have anything negative to say about a disability that he doesn't even feel is a disability. Well, trolling, trolling in general online is just is is stupid. It's a, I mean, it's a whole new level. It's a profession now. Yeah, and people are. You're right, and people are getting fam- famous off of it. Um. But um, just and looking at because uh, we had talked about um, the evolution of the sport, and uh, one of the things I've noticed, that I covered Bellator when they were at Mohegan Sun, and mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan Claxton, uh, he was the first one I heard say, and a couple other younger fighters were saying it. When I, uh, I'm an old man, just so you, FYI, I'm, I'm older <laughs> than all you guys, but but you're only as old as you feel. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, well, I certainly chased the young ones, but anyway, the uh, <laughs> see the the. Uh, so I've been hearing uh, Taiwan Claxton was the first guy I remember saying it this year, and it seems like 2018. There's a lot of fighters they're talking about. I want to. Uh, he said he's like I want to fight five times in 2018, and I remember a time when if you fought two or three times in a year, that was considered a lot. So is is there a max number for you where it starts to break? Uh, you you really start to feel the wear and tear of combat and training and camp, especially with all that you said you're juggling with your family and all that and the business. Uh, it becomes an issue. I, I take pretty good care of my, my body. You know, um, I, I do a mostly paleo diet, a lot of whole stuff. I don't eat a lot of processed stuff. Uh, I pound water all day long. So my body can hold up. It's it's not about – it's when, like I was talking about earlier, it's when the, when I start losing focus mm. and I'm just trying to pile too much on my plate. Because, you know, I could fight eight times in a year and be good, or I could fight twice in a year and, you know, fill that in-between time with training and, and – and, launching new ventures and taking on more clients for my consulting business. Or, you know, we have a few home businesses here that uh, we're working on a few things in the works, you know, things of that. Uh, my plates, my, I, there's always something to do. Yeah. And like I, fighting isn't my main focus. Okay. Like, fighting is an afterthought. It's uh, once every, it's once all the chores are done, then yeah. I get to dessert is fighting. Is there any way that you ever do you ever uh, integrate like your marketing business with what you do in the sport at all? Like like uh, I mean, do you sponsor yourself or anything like that? Like like, is there any way you've mixed? Because marketing, you could market anything. Right. So. I do. Um, I, I'm actually putting it together a uh, uh, fighter marketing seminar. I'm working with um, Sparta Combat League, and in May, I'm going to go do a seminar up there to help the fighters promote for their fight and help draw in the crowd and just help the fighters in general understand the game of social media. It's a lot of these guys have a misconception of, of what they need to be posting or what they think people want to be yeah. posting. And I have a program and I'm going to go up there and just do some stuff, work with those guys. And that's mainly the only thing I cross over in my marketing stuff. And if I'm, fighting or training or something and somebody asked me a marketing question and you know then it's there too 
Now you, so you have eleven uh, pro fights. Um, when was your first pro fight? We, we were getting, we were just speaking about uh, fights in a year. Um, when did you first have your fight? I've only had two pro fights. Or I'm sorry, but but you've had eleven total fights yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, what's the most you've had in a year? Uh, I think four or five. I, yeah, I think it was four. I fought in July or January, then I fought in March, then I fought in September or yeah, September, then November. So you've had a full year before, so you know yeah. you know what it'll yeah like into the body. Interesting. Oh. I was actually supposed to fight more, but people were dropping out in between the uh, the March and the September times that I fought. I was supposed to fight, I think, two or three more times, but people were backing out. How's your experience been with LFA so far? I've heard good stuff about them. Well, um, I've, I've been working with uh, Mark Berry, the, the promoter, and it's just been seamless. Uh, he's been helping me uh, make sure I get all my medicals done. As soon as I get all my stuff done for, you know, my eye exam, whatever, I send it over to him. He takes care of it. It's been he even showed up to the gym last week to make sure everything was on track. And, you know, he's making sure we're taking care of when we're out in California. So it's been really good. I, it's so far so good. I mean, the, um, uh, just, uh, one of the, the things you mentioned about marketing, um, do you think one of the bad things to do is, uh, trash talk? Like I, I it seems like there's guys forcing trash talk almost to the point that, that it's, it's like a, a gimmick and it's like yeah. a forced gimmick. I, 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 I think it, that's a, a machismo thing, and mm. it's just trying to build an interest. And if people aren't interested, it doesn't matter how much trash talk you do, they're not going to be interested. Or they're going to be interested to be like, I, I don't like that guy. I want to watch him get his face knocked off. You know, it draws in, you know, like they say, there's no such thing as bad PR, but there's such thing as negative connotation. And when you're, when you're that attitude, like Cody Garbrandt, he's a good dude. You know, mm-hmm. he's like way over aggressive for no reason. I know they were building a lot of hype for that fight, but it's just I feel it's too much sometimes. And I'm not one of those type of dudes. And, you know, uh, I'm not trying to be Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather over here. I'm just, you oh, know, please. Why would you have to say those names? <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the, what's your the, opinion on that? Since you since you brought it up, now you got to talk about it. I think it was great for both sports. You know, I think it was a great for a crossover for MMA because, you know, a lot of boxers, they honestly do believe that MMA guys can't make it in the boxing world. And, you know, one of the core foundations of MMA is boxing. Like, you have to learn boxing. A lot of guys don't. Guys that come over from wrestling and jiu-jitsu, you know, they, they, they really harbor on those things. But for a guy like kid coming up, kids coming up, they're going to be savages. Oh man! Training since they were ten years old, and you know they start with boxing. All the kids now are starting with boxing. Then they go to wrestling. Then they go to jujitsu. Then they're in MMA. So I, I think it was good for the sport. Yeah, it was. I spoke with. Uh, um, it's funny you're saying that because Ryan Starter, who's the who's the president of Victory Fighting Championship, said the exact same thing uh, right before all that happened. So and. Uh, when you when you hear guys like you talk about that are in it in the business at, at the level you're in at the level he's in, and when you see hear him say that and you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because it's bringing a lot of new eyeballs to the sport too, and that that helps guys like you, yeah, coming 
coming through on TV. Ten years ago when they were calling it, you know, the beer drinker sport, you know, when Chocolate Dale was coming into the ring half drunk and knocking people out, you know, it was like, oh, well, that's cool. But there's no – they didn't see the behind the scenes of it. They didn't know all the training that went on. They didn't know the countless hours that are spent in wrestling and judo and karate and jiu-jitsu and, you know, sparring. It's a a full-time sport. It's not just, oh, I'm going to toss a beer back and go smack somebody in a beer naked. It's There's a lot more to it. And I think it, it exposed, like you said, it exposed boxing fans to, like, wow, these people are conditioned. They are athletes. Yeah. Well, I think that was definitely the positive. Uh, McGregor being able to last nine rounds um, and putting up a good showing for himself. Um, oh, yeah. I think he did great. Yeah, I think that was uh... – Definitely the positive take from there. I think the only people who expected him to win was him in the country of Ireland. Yeah, he's got. We were saying that last week that he's got some interesting fans. But um, as far as like like in, in your fights, so the type of fan base that you have, I mean, I mean, have you uh, have you picked up a, a, a big following out where you guys are? I mean, obviously, I'm here in New Jersey, and I only heard your name uh, uh, when I found out you were fighting at LFA, and I did my homework on you. So, and I mean, outside of looking like Vitor Belfort. Uh, what type of uh, what type of uh, you know, like marketing have you done for yourself to get to garner more fans for Friday? Um, you know, I just put myself out there, uh, social really. Uh, I'm not really, uh, like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not a, your average fighter, I'm a family man, so I mean, that's what I promote, and a lot of people who I interact with on a daily basis. Uh, follow myself and my girlfriend because of the stuff that we post about our family and you know, enlightenment and, you know, uh, working on your mental capacity as well as your physical. And I, I have a lot of fans in, in that realm, you know, and then you have your, you know, your loyal tough enough fans that know who I am. So oh, cool. The, um, just, uh, I was, I had just started following you on Twitter when we, when we set this up last minute. Um, you don't look, it doesn't look like you posted too much on there or you just do it through Instagram. Like what? Yeah, I do it through Instagram. I'm not, I'm not a keyboard warrior, so I know Twitter is for the hecklers, and I just it, it just updates too much for me to be involved. You know, I like my Instagram because it's just pictures and a few words, but in and I can share it from to Twitter and to Tumblr and to Facebook from Instagram. So that's mainly what I'm on. So what do you what are you thinking for? Uh, I mean, I know I know you're a submission guy, and you have a lot of submission wins for. For uh, Mister Mister Johnson this Friday, what 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 do you do? Predictions or do you do you want to call it or or just let it flow? No, I, I like flowing. I'm gonna let it flow because you, there you never know where it's gonna end up ever. So, like I said, I know he's a wrestler, but I, uh, there's clips on his Instagram that show him you know standing up and banging with dudes. So he could end up wanting to trade hands or he could try to shoot and try to take me down and I got to be slick with the jiu-jitsu. So wherever he feels he wants to take it, I've already gone there and I've already dominated. So wherever he wants to go, I'm ready. How much weight do you still have to cut uh, by Thursday? Uh, after I eat dinner tonight, probably like eight pounds. Oh, so nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I, you see me drinking water, if I stop drinking water, then I'll lose two or three pounds right there. So, like, I, I don't like those big cuts. I don't understand the guys who do that, you know, just because they want a little bit of size advantage. You know, it's not worth your health. 
Yeah. That just, it takes so much off your, off your life to, to cut 20, 30, 20, 25 pounds. It's, you know, a lot of weight. To try to cut. Do you have any idea how much weight your opponent's going to be cutting? I don't know. He, he's a, uh, I've seen him. I've seen his leading up to, and I've seen his day of, and it looks like he cuts a fair amount of weight. So even if you're, even if you're cutting from 200, you know, that's still a lot of weight. It's 15 pounds. That you have to cut. That's that's a full uh, weight cut at night. That's cutting off water the night before. That's early morning weight cut. So uh, it's still a lot of punishment on your body. Fifteen pounds. That's why I like to stick around. You know, eight to ten is my max. That's what you walk around only eight to ten heavier. You're saying? Yep. Oh, that's I walk good. around basically a fight weight. Oh, that's nice, man. Because uh, I'm trying to get to 185 just for my own health and. I mean, I ruined that on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I was going to say, stop boozing it, stop <laughs> soda, and change your diet. Wow, thanks. I'm drinking soda just for the caffeine because I'm three hours ahead of you guys to stay awake. But, uh, all right, cool. I'm going to write that down. No soda. No hey, and look up the paleo diet. Is that going to be part of your uh, – well, you, I guess you could market a diet. I mean, you can market anything. Well, it's, it's not really a diet. It's just – not eating processed foods, dairy, or wait, hold on. What is it? It's no processed foods. It's whole foods like no whole dairy, vegetables. No, grains. no dairy, no grain, and whole foods. So whole, uh, whole vegetables, whole fruits. There you go. Forgot. I don't prepare to fight. I live to fight. That's why. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, before uh, before we close out, uh, do you have any sponsors or anybody you want to shout out? Like, let people know where to find you, your business, and all that stuff. Yeah, if you want to look me up, I'm uh, on Instagram, Corey Turner, Corey underscore Turner eleven eighteen on Instagram. C O R E Y, because <laughs> some people like to forget the E. Uh, like, think Alarm Co. Uh, I'm working with them as a sponsor, as well as uh, Tough Enough. You know they. Basically, raised me as MMA fight world. Uh, Syndicate MMA, that's my home, away from home. Uh, Unbranded Supply Co., uh, John Wood, uh, for being a Jedi master that he is. You know, all my training partners at Syndicate MMA. And my lovely significant other, Samantha, for her ridiculous amount of support and time away from home and taking care of a two-month-old, sometimes when I'm gone all day training, and my two little girls who are uh, – my motivation outside of Samantha and Bronson. Well, I want to remind everybody, thank you for coming on uh, fight week. Um, you got a fight in about 72 hours from now. Yes, um, it'll be, it'll be live on access TV. Uh, that'll be legacy fighting Alliance, LFA 36. Um, Corey, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for being our first guest on our show. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. I'll do it anytime. Thank you, man. Much appreciated. For sure. All right. See you guys.